Hi, I'm Rob Rouse on Comedy Bloggerty with the lovely Sarah Shulman. And uh, I'm doing a tour. It's called Life Sentences all over the UK at the moment. All the dates are on my website, robrouse.com. And, uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at Rob Rouse. Do come along. Be nice to see you. Always welcome some students into the gigs. Bit of, a bit of young blood. So it always gives it a bit of energy. Yeah? Come down in your skinny jeans. I'll, I'll, I'll flip you a cheap ticket. Can, I don't know if I can do that. But either, you probably get in on your NUS card, don't you? There will be deals at the venues for NUS card holders. Come along. It'd be nice to see you. So, Rob, how did you get into comedy? Uh, it was purely by accident. I um, I got bullied into doing a play when I was trying to be a teacher. I was gone through a relationship bust up and I was moping about the house. My mate said, you should go and do this play. And I did it and on the first night. The set fell down when it was just me on stage and uh, and, and and I had to improvise in my character and uh, the, I found the laughs that I was getting through improvising around them, rebuilding the set around me were more fun and more exciting than the ones I was getting from the play. And then a little penny in my head went, ooh, that could be something that maybe you're doing. And another person said, no, it can't be you doing that. There must be some special forces beyond your control. And then a few months later, I got bullied in again to doing a, a stand-up gig in a pub for a charity night by the same people and uh, part of this drama group. Um, I never really kind of got the drama group thing. It was just loads of people going, oh, no, I, I can't put... Please tell me it was terrible. Please tell me I was rubbish. Uh, I found it a bit insecure. And then um, did that, and I really enjoyed it. And then it galvanised something in my head. thought, right, you could do this. So at 24, I stuck it to the man, said, screw you, man. I'm going to rebel. At 24, most people do it when they're 14. I was a late bloomer in every regard, Sarah. We don't need to go into that. But... Uh, and then, yeah, and, and I just thought, I'm, I'm going to do something for myself. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be selfish. And I enjoy it. So I, I followed, followed my dream. I went and did it. And, and uh, I haven't looked back since. It's been great. So how long after um, you did your um, first gig in the pub did you start gigging regularly? And how often were you gigging? The uh, Probably after, well, then, then I did a few open spots. And then... Um, I moved, yeah, I moved down to London and started doing open spots for about, uh, goodness me, about seven or eight months, I think it was. Then I, I then I was in Edinburgh doing the So You Think You're Funny competition, which uh, through, I, th I think just through sheer bluster and, and fluke, I won. And then, uh, and, th and that, as a result of that, I ended up doing lots of uh, student gigs with Brendan Burns on Avalon. He used to run a big student tour and I did all that. And, and that, so that kind of, so that was me working full time from then. And then I think I did a few bits and bobs jobs in between uh, during that first year. But after that, that I, I scratched a, a living together. You know. Did you find you got heckled a lot when you first started gigging? Uh, I, th I can't really remember it. A, it's so long ago and I'm quite a forgetful man. And B, I don't really think about heckles that much. It's not something that I really... Uh, Worry about. I think certainly when I started, of course it was. You think, well, what if someone shouts out something and I get derailed from what I'm doing? Um, and now it's it's not really an issue. Uh, but also in the 14 years I've been doing it, I think I've only heard a couple of good heckles, but not really good enough to remember them. It's generally pissed drunk men being dickheads. I usually find, and they were just jealous because they're not doing what you're doing. And uh, the psychology is so simple that it's usually quite easy to deal with. It's, I think it's best not to have anything prepared. 
and just roll with whatever happens. But if they're being cocks, kick them out. That's what I kind of think. We don't really... I don't know, when you've done it for long enough, you kind of... There's nothing Nothing really new happens with a drunk heckler. And I think, and I think uh, it's a weird part of our boozy culture of that we've got to be drunk to enjoy yourselves or somehow... I'm helping the night, mate. No, you're not. You just you're just being a bellend, really. And and uh, but there's a difference between yeah hecklers and people interacting. That uh, and when they interact and they get it, and you're all playing, then it is wonderful. That's brilliant. But heckling, heckling is generally shit. And so, and um, when you were doing uh, the Comedy Network University tour, what yeah. was your experience of the university crowds? Uh, you know, I think I was 24, so I was I wasn't far off that age, and and uh, so it, it was it was quite an immediate. It was yeah, it made sense to me. It was it was quite simple, and I think then then in my early 30s, I suddenly found it a bit weird because I realised that I was I was kind of older. We just were sort of thinking about having a family, or we just had a family around that kind of age, and then suddenly I felt that my concerns were very different from what the students were but I, I was obviously writing about where I was in my life and then now now I'm, I'm happy talking about my I can talk about my kids and babies to students and, and really make them laugh at it because I, I there's a distance from where I'm not trying to be like them or I'm just literally going my life is very different from yours and I always think you credit any audience with enough intelligence then they'll come up to what because they're all comedy, art, music, whatever it is, it, it's about transporting yourself to another world, isn't it? And I don't really side with this kind of... Uh, there's, there's a bit of a trend in comedy, I think, at the moment, to think if it's about... It's got to be aimed specifically at the age group that, 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 that are receiving it. And I think that's, that doesn't credit the, those young people with the, with the intelligence to think, well, we can follow someone else's story. Otherwise, you'd never read a book unless it was titled Your Life Right Here, Right Now, would you? Uh, so, I, so I feel kind of freed up by that now. I feel being considerably older than students, I feel much more comfortable making them laugh. So how do your family feel about you doing comedy and talking about them on stage? Well, my wife came to uh, a preview I did for the tour and, and uh, <laughs> apart from a couple of things, she was fine with it all. And how did you explain to your children that you were a comedian? How did you describe what your job was? Uh, well, my, my boy's four. And uh, he's that's my eldest kid, and and he so he's just beginning to kind of get his head around it that that daddy goes to work to make mummies and daddies laugh, and that daddy can't tell him the jokes that he tells them because it would be thoroughly unsuitable, and that when he's when, and when he's he's rationalised that when he has a beard, he'll he'll be able to listen to it, and come to work with daddy, that's how he sees it, but. Uh, but yeah, it's funny. But then, it, but he gets what the idea of jokes is, and, and he gets kind of uh, uh, the idea, of the structure of a joke. He also he also gets random jokes, and then also just kind of uh, filth, like kind of I uh, get him out of the bath. He'll just bend over and go, "It's my bum hole! It's my bum hole! It's my bum hole!" And that that never fails to make both of us laugh. And I think if you can't laugh at a kid <laughs> pointing his bum hole, going, "It's my bum hole!" three times, then then a part of your soul's died. So a budding comedian, maybe yeah, yeah. It's funny. He just started school, and um, he uh, when he sees the headmaster, he just goes, "Mr. Pool, yeah, Mr. Pool, it's Mr. Pool," like he's Fonzie or something. Uh, and then I said, "Who's this Mr. Pool guy, Len?" And he said, uh, "Oh, Mr. Pool is the man who stops people going up and down the steps." Which I think is a lovely way of 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 boiling down the role of headmaster <laughs> and authority. 
so yeah, so I think he's halfway there. And you said in a recent interview that you've almost reached 10,000 hours with your trumpet practice. A lot of people claim that you're either born with funny bones or mm. you're not. And there's a whole debate about whether you can or can't teach comedy. So do you feel that the 10,000 hour rule applies to stand up comedy? Uh, I, I mean, it, to make it specifically 10,000 hours, I'm doing 9,999,000 and whatever it is, hate maths, but an hour off 10,000 hours that you're crap and then you hit 10,000 suddenly explodes and you're right. Uh, it seems spurious, doesn't it? It's quite arbitrary. Um, but I, I suppose it's just an adage that kind of practice, you know, makes imperfect, doesn't it really? Um, but uh, I think I think, I think think there are different kinds of com- comedians. There are ones who have got funny bones and uh, naturally clowns and idiots. Uh, and I hope I'm sort of in that, in that area of the spectrum and then there are people to whom it's like a science and and but it seems just as effective in making people laugh and maybe maybe economically it's more <laughs> maybe it's more productive i don't know but uh, I, i've had a lot of fun and uh but i'm always just still just out of money at the end of the month but i think most people are in the world aren't they and and, and i think we also especially in show business as well you have show business you have a weird skewed idea that uh that everyone's kind of rolling in it. And, and it's not, it's a case, you know, if I'd have wanted to make money, I'd have got into telecoms or software or something, but I never understood computers. But I'm very happy. And, and I'm not going to moan, you know, relatively as a, as a career. It's it's great and, uh, and 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 we do fine and we do we do well, let's be honest. People work some awful jobs for nothing. And um, and crucially, I'm, I'm my own boss. I don't have a boss. I don't have anyone telling me what to do. Uh, I couldn't do a job now. That would just be a disaster um, if I had an inbox or an in-tray. You know, I don't know where I'd begin. I'm unemploy- utterly unemployable now because I've hardwired my brain into going, spouting out the stuff that would get me fired <laughs> or would get me bollocked at school. And now it, I earn a living off it. So uh, that makes me incredibly uh, happy when I think about it. And you were saying at the beginning that you were a teacher when you first got into comedy. Did you find that having that background of being in a classroom and, and speaking to an audience of some kind was a helpful training before you got into stand-up? I think it helped. Certainly, it was an experience of trying to hold your nerve in front of a group of people when literally, if you let go, you'll shit your pants, genuinely. You'll fill your cords up from the from the bottom up and need probably a second pair of cords Teaching teaching kids is, is is absolutely terrifying. It really is, especially like I was doing secondary school, and uh, I was still a child. If I'm honest, I hadn't grown up, and and uh, there's kids there with beards, more facial hair than I had. They were bigger than me, and they weren't interested in geography. Some of them, some of them were, and they were kind of annoying because they were too swatty. <laughs> and I just I just wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready for that level of commitment. But what it did, it exposed. It did give me that kind of baptism of fire of dealing with uh trying to handle your fear and your nerves in a situation and now the worst thing that can happen if i get a gig or a gag wrong is or a bit wrong is is people don't laugh uh but there you've got parents coming in and complaining that you're ruining their kid's life the stakes are somewhat higher i think you know so in that way it was good training and also just just discipline self-discipline of just you know if you need to get it need to do some work get it done because it's sort of, yeah, you have to prepare. And you also have to, I think also with comedy, for me, it's not meant to be perfect. It's not meant to be squeaky, neat and tidy. And, and getting it wrong in that process of writing it is 
part of the fun. That's part of that feeling of when you're doing a new material night or you're trying new stuff out. You you feel like you're you're doing a gig with your kecks around your ankles and everyone's laughing at your willy. That's what it feels like. As you were saying, you felt that you hadn't fully grown up when you were teaching. Do you feel that your material has grown and changed a lot since when you first started gigging? Yeah, vastly. I mean, when I started, it was it was literally random stuff. It was total non sequiturs, just craziness, just bolted together. Uh, and it was, I think, it was great fun at the time. But I think it was also a pace I couldn't sustain over, you know, a longer show or or um, or, or necessarily it make a big wide range of people laugh at it. I think I think it was, uh, I w- and, I, and I was frightened, you know, that that the fear and the nerves. I was hiding behind stuff. I called myself Cyril for three months on the open spot circuit as a pseudonym, just so I could hide behind it. Like it's like a fifth wall I could hide behind. What a dick! Uh, and and but then as I've got older, I kind of I've, I've got used to talking about me, and I don't tend to talk about how I see the world or how the world is because I don't quite understand it. Uh, I think and uh, that so that's kind of my my angle on stuff. I don't really understand stuff but not in a kind of hey why why the door squeak kind of way uh but so but i don't feel qualified to say this is how the world is wide up this is why it's wrong so i tend to look at my 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 self and my stuff and and then and then and then talk about that and then make you know people maybe see parallels or or i think if you can talk about human nature that's what it is it's a quest for me to talk about human nature that i'm it's constantly evolving and i'm trying to get better at doing it and and i think by talking about yourself and your own story or things that have happened to you that have expressed your humanity. And this is, I just get very serious, isn't it? It's interesting, hopefully, I don't know. Uh, then hopefully people can see bits of themselves in it and that, and that's enough. Or if they can't see themselves, you relate the story well enough for them to come on the journey with you. And I think, I think that's what I kind of like in stand-up, I think. You've performed at Edinburgh for several years. Do you feel that, that doing your first hour is an opportunity to get the audience engaging with that journey? I think so. I mean, I think also it's your first hour is an opportunity to, to lose a huge amount of money as well and to possibly not be able to pay all your bills when you get home. And uh, uh, it's, it can be... Edinburgh's changed hugely. since I went up in 98 and I've done about nine of them since in the years in between. Maybe more, I can't remember. But... Um, and it has now become it has become an industrial behemoth of a of a festival, and um, you I think it's brilliant now you've got the free fringe happening. I think that that's that's a great opportunity for 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 new acts to go and do an hour in an environment where people want to hear it, and they're not going to end up kind of racking up so much debt that it becomes impossible to do it because I think you know it's it's the expense now is at such a level that if you're starting out unless you've got financial backing or independent wealth to support you through it then i can't see how you know really good comics who haven't got money behind them could afford doing it or put themselves through so much debt because to make the big books that pay all that off that's only a few people get get that and there's so many great comics i think probably who would would end up looking at it going i can't afford to do this and i think there's something wrong in that i think there's something fundamentally wrong in that system that I hope readjusts itself or, or there's some kind of massive punk explosion and everyone goes, everyone books themselves in 
and then everyone goes right fuck it we're all doing it for free no one's no one's gonna you can't have your money we're not gonna do it like have a a mass strike but then that's that would be a revolution which we don't have in britain do we don't have revolutions so what advice would you give to someone thinking of taking a show up to the edinburgh festival uh I, I mean, if you want to do it, do it. I'd never dissuade anyone from doing it. Um, and uh, preview it as much as you can. Have as much fun as you can with it when you're up there. Don't get lost in the madness of all the kind of, you know, the, it's, it's a it's a bond fight, you know, and, and don't be under any illusions it's not. Uh, and, if you, and if you're new, go and do the free fringe. Go and do it and experience it. You'll do loads of gigs. And I've heard people coming from back from free fringe with money in their pockets even, you know, and that's, that's great because that's the audience's getting the chance to go, yeah, we still think the show's worth it, so here's some money, but you've not got all the greedy venues going, you know, bless them, the greedy venues going, let's uh, let's take all this take all this out. Let's bankroll our fiscal year in one month, which is mental, isn't it? Apart from this, but I do love the stand. The stand's great. You know, that's a, uh, that's, if I do another one, I think I'll go back to the stand. I nearly did this year, but I, I, I couldn't do it in the end. And you're going to be touring your show, Live Sentences, around the country. So what can audiences expect from your show? Uh, it's 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 me uh, crapping on for a good hour and a half. Uh, in, uh, it's, 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 it's com- this show, I didn't, I came up with the title because I wanted a free kind of, I didn't want to have to kind of write uh, a narrative one that the last two had been. Cause I think that's also because they came out of Edinburgh shows. And Edinburgh sort of, for some reason, demands a narrative. I don't know why. I just ha- would happily watch anyone that I find really funny for now. I don't need a narrative. Um, and I just wanted, I, I just wanted to get it to be able to be about anything uh, and whatever was happening at that time. And that's kind of what it is. We we had a we had another baby, we had a daughter. So it's about my my uh, transformation into a feminist. Um, and and uh, there's yeah, just it's 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 about how. How 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 do we manage to make it through this ridiculous, crazy, pressured life and still say stay sane-ish? I mean, you can be the judge of that. <laughs> the reality versus insanity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's mad, isn't it? So many people now are working two jobs. To um, everyone, you know, loads of people in this middle, this squish middle, they're working two jobs to afford childcare so they can go back to work and do their two jobs to afford the childcare and and then maybe you, it's that's mad isn't it it's a weird cycle of this world you know we're all doing degrees to go out there and get jobs that maybe aren't there and that sounds really negative but they are there but you maybe you've got to find your own jobs you've got you we have to really think on our feet now to just to survive that like the the kind of the um I'd advise anyone who wants to do comedy or go to Edinburgh do it because if you don't do it then then you'll never know and you don't do it and maybe you do it and it goes monumentally wrong but you might find something else that's interesting as a result of doing it it's weird isn't it i think i think that's the one of the biggest things of education is is you it's about learning about yourself half of it and or you might meet some people set up your own business or go and do something because uh i don't know how we got to this bit but that's kind of i I don't know it's it's yeah it's impossible to nail down life isn't it so it's just me crapping on about it for an hour and a half um, in in a funny manner. <laughs> and do you have any tips or advice for aspiring comics? Just do it, do it, do it. Even if it's wrong, do it. If you cock it up, do it, do it again. If you get knocked down, get up, do it again. Don't stop. But if, if you think you can, if you believe in yourself and uh, even if you get it hideously badly wrong at the start, then that's kind of, you have to do that. Like when I started previewing this show, 
I put it all together and and I knew that I had to kind of the first time I went through it, I would be like I was wading through it because I wasn't inside of it all and I wasn't kind of how it flowed from one bit to another and all that kind of stuff. You you have to it has to be messy for, for me. It's and that's part of the fun. You've got to break stuff to 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 work out what's the next step. So yeah, do it and make an absolute fucking balls of it and then do it again. And do you have any tips or advice for students? Generally, just, uh, yeah, um, enjoy yourselves. Well, I know you are. You're having a great time, you know. Uh, and, uh, and, and, but that, that feeling that you've got in your life that, that is great fun, try and make sure that the things you do afterwards make you still feel like that as best as possible. And it's not about money. It's about love, peace, understanding, having fun, enjoying yourself. And it's, there's a big wide world out there. And don't, don't, don't get s- turned into a square. <laughs> That's what I'd say. You're all brilliant. Keep being brilliant.